Welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome to Personal Power for the Common Good, the podcast where we explore bonuses and barriers that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to sidestep those barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same. This podcast premiere is dedicated to my late sister, Mary Gail Randall, someone who helped me develop and save my own personal power. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. I'm a mother, a woman, a wife, educator, parenting expert, and I've been a human service professional for 34 plus years. I'm here with my good friend and colleague and coach, Diane Amelia Reed. Hi, I'm Diane Amelia Reed. I'm a woman, wife, and Oma, singer, surfer, wannabe, social justice advocate, and a personal transformation consultant. Stacy and I are delighted to have you with us for this premiere episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. Change your life, change the world. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the mindset makeover workshop that guides you to become the you that you are meant to be. Have you ever heard the word intersectionality? In relation to this podcast, the word refers to the many pieces of you that comprise your unique identity, like your race, your gender, socioeconomic class, childhood experiences, cultural background, sexuality, just to name a few. And these pieces are often called the little boxes that influence our development over the course of our lives, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. It's our belief that deepening self-awareness about how your past, current, and future selves, and yes, your future self, have internalized the sometimes intentional messages contained in the boxes. Once you have the self-awareness, you'll have greater access to your personal power that might be trapped inside. And once we discover our innate personal power and what detracted from expressing our truest selves at different developmental stages along the way, we're more able to help others discover their personal power too. We will begin each episode with essential questions that are going to frame the discussion and hopefully generate some insights. Towards the end, we will share ways to be a positive influencer on yourself, of course, and on the people in your life of every age. As you do, you become a catalyst for a better, happier, more loving world, one person at a time. Now, this premiere episode will focus on exploring two essential questions. The first, how many little boxes can you identify in your life? And the second, when did the intersectionality of these boxes begin to impact your life? Now, these pieces of identity look different from one family or one country to the next, but some boxes are universal to the human experience. Just think about your gender for one moment. When did the experience of your gender begin to take shape? From where did you get messages about what your gender is or should be? So was it the day you were born? Was it when you started elementary school as a teenager? Did it change over time from one developmental stage to the next? 
Gender is a skyscraper-sized box. It is one of the primary and primal drivers of the many strands of intersectionality that end up as you. And it begins before we're even conceived. Yeah. So gender-specific names are decided, baby room colors, decorations, clothing, toys. They're all purchased in boxes of pink or blue. I remember being frightened by the aisles of blue at Toys R Us when I was shopping <laughs> for, kid, for kids' gifts. And as the youngest female of four sisters, I arrived as somewhat a disappointment because I was my parents' last chance for a son. It's staggering to think about the historical view and current treatment of girls and women around the world. In so many ways, our personal and collective powers are and were devalued and diminished. I have to ask, why were you frightened by the blue? It was the pink because it was so intense. It was the neon pink. It was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I never particularly liked the color pink. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, you know, as a child, I kind of saw this in reverse. I remember I was eight or nine when I asked a group of my friends if they'd rather be a boy or a girl. And I don't even think I gave them time to answer before I announced I'd rather be a boy because boys get to do more things. <laughs> it's just amazing to me that a child of such a young age has that consciousness. Like you don't even necessarily know where you got that idea from, right? No, I certainly didn't know what's, what things even were. I just knew boys got to do more of them. Mm -hmm. The power of the messages. Yet, as white American middle class women, like Diana Millian and I are, the intersectionality of these, just these three boxes of privilege makes an enormous difference on how we see the world and how the world sees us as women. And as we grow from one developmental stage to the next, the expectations of society and definitely our family begin to define who we are. You know, and then going back to the fact that I was the youngest of four sisters, that was a positive thing in some ways because I got to see three older female role models of you know power significance doing their own thing in the world. I didn't have gender roles of brothers being able to do certain things while I couldn't do them. But you know, it, it started to fade away a bit as I got older. As an elementary school girl growing up the 1970s, which I believe is one of the best decades ever, I felt innately powerful, you know, playing outside with neighborhood boys and girls until the streetlight went on, freedom, you know, until the emergence of puberty. As one of those, the first girls in fifth grade to develop breasts, my identity as a female suddenly was defined by others. It began to emerge and the walls of the gender box really began to close in. Suddenly my relationship to males and boys and myself really changed dramatically. I was no longer just a girl. I became an object of shaming, of sexual desire. In the movies, magazines, my friends and family members and TV shows that influenced my perspective of myself, my worth as a female, reinforced that tr attracting males and being in relationship with them was really my primary purpose for being on earth. Hmm. You know, I'm not really sure where my notion of boys getting to do more things actually came from. Uh, both my parents worked. I was encouraged to play sports, to do ballet, to be smart. I, 
I don't remember how I got this limiting message about boys getting to do more stuff, which was likely my vernacular of eight years old, you know, doing more stuff, not more things. But this tells me how much societal mist I was breathing in to have this takeaway message of limitation at such a young age. Now, Stacy, I was curious about something you said earlier that at puberty, you started to feel that you were becoming an object of sexual desire, which I totally understand. Uh, that was the age I started getting the heebie-jeebies from cat calls and you know all that creepy feeling. But you also mentioned shaming. Can you say more about that? Sure. Well, with the emergence of sexuality, that was very much infused with my religion growing up Catholic, where female sexuality in particular was a really bad thing. You know, my mother's upbringing as an Italian that you have to be modest. You know, I couldn't even wear the color black until I was 16. So there was, there was a lot of taboo around sexuality. And the shaming part really came in mostly from my peers besides the religious element. I remember a girl, a friend of mine, one time at lunch, she's kind of like jiggling her jello dessert and people were laughing. And I'm like, oh, what's so funny? What's happening? And they're like, well, this is what you look like, Stacy, with your boobs. You know, because I don't think I was wearing a bra at the time. So even having girls make fun of me, you mm -hmm. know, for having breasts. Mm -hmm. And then the boys would go behind my chair and snap my bra once I did have one, you know, as a big old joke. So the emergence of my womanhood did not give me power. It actually took away my power as a little girl. Mm. And as I've grown older, trying to get back to my power as a little girl has really been my mission because she could do anything. She was Wonder Girl. I really liked her. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I keep um, a picture of my, I think, eight-year-old self on my desk. And every day it's my job to honor her badassery. You know, Very cool. she was invincible. <laughs> yes. We all need to be wonder girls. <laughs> so yeah, those are the types of things that weave in and out of your consciousness and really affect your development. I think a long time I felt shamed by my sexuality and definitely derailed by this need I felt to be in relationship, you know, and you sacrifice self for relationship. And I think a lot of women have experienced that, particularly back in the day, but even, even now for sure still get that message. So thinking about what Stacy just said, let's revisit this episode's essential questions. We've been looking at all the little boxes, your gender, your generation, your skin color, socioeconomic status, religious upbringing, your place in family, and beyond. How many little boxes can you identify from your life? And question two, when did the intersectionality of these various boxes begin to impact your perceptions of yourself, your development, your life? And as you reflect on the two questions, please know this. The little boxes of family and social identity that have contained us really since before we were born, they create those self-perceived limitations or definitions. Cultivating awareness about what these boxes are and how they have shaped you at every age, this will grow your personal power and your positive influence in the world. And as you discover and unravel the factors that diminish your power, 
you're better equipped to guide yourself and to help guide other people towards their happiest and most loving and fulfilled selves. And that's really the life that we all want. That's it. And the boxes are not finite. You know, they're not made of steel. They're made of cardboard. So you can smash them down, lay them flat, break them down and take them to the curb for recycling. But you have to take them to the curb. No one's going to take them for you. Self-awareness requires reflection. Yes. And we're educators, so we have to give you homework because you can't just come to <laughs> class. You also have to do your homework to really cement learning. So to begin the process before the next podcast, generate a comprehensive list of 15 to 20 identity boxes that are in your life. You can use our identity inventory worksheet as a guide if you'd like. You can find it on the website pp4tcg.com. And after you make the list, you know, think about four or five of them during the week and really write down how they've impacted you specifically or each other before you were born and until your first birthday, that first year of life, which we'll focus on next episode, is really powerful. So it's not just work, work, work. We, we want you to have a little self-care too. Self-care and self-awareness go hand in hand. So yes, this is going to sound like homework, but it's actually, actually kind of fun. For the next week or so, begin to develop a personal power affirmation that is uniquely yours. Uniquely yours. I'll give you a couple of examples to, um, to inspire. For instance, I am beautiful inside and out. I accept 100% responsibility for my life, and I am in charge of my own happiness. I believe in my dreams, and I focus on action to create the life I want. I love myself for who I am. Now, that can feel big, maybe even too big. So if you're not quite there yet, put it in a learning context and say instead for your affirmation, I am learning to love myself more and more each day. Now, tape this affirmation to your bathroom mirror. Make it your screensaver. Schedule it to pop up on your calendar, you know, every single day. Do a combo of these things. Literally, I have one on the back wall of my fridge, which I see every time I open the fridge. Words have tremendous power on mindset. Make sure you see your affirming words throughout each and every day. And when you do read it, take a deep breath and acknowledge the courage it's taking you to examine these identity boxes. It's no small thing. And also note that affirming something is different than encouragement. One thing that I love about affirmations, it's about acknowledging your being not for doing something. Like when you would encourage someone, you typically encourage them to do something at their best. But when you affirm, you're just acknowledging your being at its best. That's right. And it's important when you're making affirmations to not put them in future tense. Like I will love myself more each day. It's simply, I love myself more each day. I am learning to love myself more each day. Not I'm going to, or I will because it's a different vibe. It's a different mindset. Just name it to claim it. I'm doing this now. Absolutely. 
As you know, the name of our podcast is Personal Power for the Common Good. Change your life, change the world. So we're hoping that as you discover your own personal power, you can also pass it on to others. And since you'll be looking at your identity boxes from the the lens of birth to one years old, we're going to focus on infants for today. To start, stay clear of those pink and blue aisles. By gender neutral clothing and toys for any infant in your life. Yeah. Embrace the Victorian age when blue was reserved for girls and pink for boys. And if anybody gives you a hard time, you just refer heavily to Downton Abbey. (laughs) Comment on a baby boy's intelligence or creativity rather than his muscles or what a bruiser he's going to be. Yeah. And comment on a baby girl's intelligence rather than how cute she looks or maybe both. But don't skip the intelligence. And start relating to children of all ages in gender neutral ways. Tell the child and his or her parent or parents that you love them no matter what. Now, if you don't already, begin to embrace the idea and tell others that family configuration does not define family value. And one of my personal favorites as a single parent, stop calling children of single parents illegitimate. Mm. It hurts. If you take a step toward the common good or have a eureka moment in your self-care in your role as an influencer, tell us about it by dropping us a note at our website, pp4tcg.com. Your thoughts matter. Your words matter. And as part of every podcast, we're going to share some words of wisdom from people that have inspired us. And this is from John Muir, who's a Scottish-American naturalist. And he said, when we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. Mm. We are all interconnected, which is why when you change your life, you can change the world. Absolutely. And that's a wrap on our first episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. We hope you found value here, and we hope you'll join us next time to learn more about the life-defining things that happen as we develop in our first year. And two of the essential questions we'll look at in the next episode are what factors, very specific factors from your life have shaped you for the better? And more importantly, how do you know? Remember, you can download the Identity Inventory Worksheet at our website, pp4tcg.com and let this maybe expand and prompt your thinking about your identity boxes homework. And if you've got any questions for us, any kind of follow-up, you can pop us a note there too at our website in the comments section. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And we look forward to our next time together on personal power for the common good. Change your life change the world.